big news, because we had so much fun at our last live show, we're doing it again. That's right. We're going live again, but this time we're going to the Ripped Bodice in Brooklyn, which is an absolute dream come true of a location. This show is going to be part of a larger romance festival being put on by Fish Market Theater Company. And I'll give you details about all of the awesome events that they'll have going on that weekend soon. But for now, head on over to the ticket link in the show notes and get your tickets for our performance, which will be on March 9th at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time. We don't have streaming set up quite yet, but we're working on it because we know a lot of you aren't in New York. But if you are or if you can get here, we hope that you'll get your tickets and come join us because it's going to be a blast. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. And thus begins Pride and Prejudice. A single man who's got a good fortune. He's just got no uh, bitty on his arm. (laughs) He must want a wife. We are putting words in the man's mouth. Uh, This single man who (laughs) exists only in Jane Austen's hypothetical. Yeah, there are no single men out there in the world. (laughs) We learned that the hard way here. (laughs) Rest in peace. R.I.P. Anyway, hi everyone. Welcome to Pod and Prejudice. This is Becca. This is Molly. We're here to talk about some Jane Austen with you. I, Molly, have never read any Jane Austen. I don't know how I seemed to kind of skate by on that one. Um, There are a lot of things that I, I tend to not know about. Um, I have to let my friends know when I actually start reading or watching something. I've noticed that when I posted on my Instagram story the other day and I was like, just so everyone knows, these are the spoilers I'm currently avoiding. Stranger Things and Pride and Prejudice. And I got a lot of interesting responses to that, but I just like, I don't know. I don't watch or read or listen to things as they come out. I actually, I turned on Taylor Swift's new album today and I was mm-hmm. like, I feel like I'm in the club. This just came out. I'm going to know what's going on. <laughs> well, I, can you get spoiled on a music album? No, but I do like, I miss all of the songs. So uh. I like only know the top hits of things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just was listening to one of her new songs today for the first time. I am one of those who, if I see something that looks interesting, I get bored and I'll immediately go watch it. So I watched Stranger Things when it first came out and then forced Molly to watch it a little later. But and that's, now I'm, yeah. <laughs> that's a different podcast. Yes, that's a whole other podcast. But I grew up on Jane Austen. When I was little, I watched Sense and Sensibility with Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman. And then I uh, ended up watching all of the Jane Austen movies and then started reading the books. I should be clear, I haven't read all the Jane Austen books. I've read her big works. I've read Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility, Mansfield Park, and Emma. And I've read all of those multiple times, and I I just love her work. I think she's hilarious. And so I feel very honored to be part of introducing Molly to the Jane Austen experience. The experience, I like that. Yes, the Jane Austen experience that we are now monetizing into this podcast. Please subscribe to our now uh, non-existent Patreon. It will be existent at a certain point in time, Mm -hmm. but as of right now, uh, just pretend you did. (laughs) I really like the sultry voice you just moved into. This is my uh, Jane Austen for the dark hours voice. (laughs) That would be a fun spin-off podcast. 
<laughs> about all the like hand touches and glances. Yeah. But let's get into it yeah. uh, because we have a lot to cover. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that we did was we had Molly read the first four chapters of Pride and Prejudice. So that's what we're going to discuss today. Yeah. So Molly, let's hear your thoughts on these first four chapters and what happens in them. Yeah. So right off the bat, we learn, as you heard in the first sentence, that Jane Austen believes that if a man is rich and single, he is actively seeking a wife. There must be no other interest in his life. I can speak from a 21st century perspective and say that's not true. Uh, (laughs) I have dated rich single men and they are not in want of a wife at the current moment. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But in Jane Austen's time, there was this sort of societal thing where they just assumed that all rich single guys needed some sort of home thing to keep them socially stable and on the other side of that all women actually really did need men for economic stability so the first two characters that we meet are mr and mrs bennett Mm -hmm. um we begin with some hot gossip (laughs) mrs bennett tells mr bennett that netherfield park is finally let which i think means like he's it's being leased and Mrs. Bennett wants to engage in conversation with Mr. Bennett and is like, did you hear? Mrs. Long told me all about it. Uh, he says he hasn't heard anything. And she says, don't you want to hear? And he's like, you want to tell me? And I have no objection to hearing it. And this is where you learn that Mr. and Mrs. Bennett are basically just like <laughs> the quintessential parents. They're so mom and so dad. Yeah. <laughs> Their banter is... Wild. <laughs> I, I I feel like every time I have a conversation, I'm like, this is problematic, but then I'm like, but it's kind of cute. Yeah, I think it's like, it's one of those things where they have learned each other's annoyances and push each other's buttons at a really high rate, especially mm-hmm. Mr. Bennett to Mrs. Bennett, and she's pretty <laughs> easily rattled. Mm-hmm. Like, I ride for Mrs. Bennett. I think she's she's trying really hard in a world where she has five daughters with no inheritance, and she's trying to marry them all off. But her level of anxiety, just in general, is <laughs> I worry for her. Yeah, she's a she is an anxious, anxious lady. Yes. So she says he's moving in soon. This man who has let Netherfield Park. Mm-hmm. Mr. Bennett asks if he's married or single, and Mrs. Bennett is like. I would not be telling you about this if he was married because I only care about him marrying our daughters. So that's what we have to do. And you have to go visit him because there's the possibility that he might fall in love with one of our unspecified number of daughters. Oh, yes. We do not yes. know how many yet. Yes. Do you have a prediction? Um, I, I think six, but <laughs> okay, ba- just based on names that I've heard tossed around. Okay. Mr. Bennett says, you guys can all go. Actually... Maybe just let the girls go, because I don't want him falling in love with you. And I was like, wow, Mr. Bennett, you've got some game. Then they have a cute little back and forth that ends up with her convincing him to at least write to this person who has let Netherfield Park, um, because it would be unacceptable for the women to just show up. Um, Women can't do that. Um, And he says... (laughs) Uh, I was going to say that uh, the Austin world is really, like, uh, wrapped up in etiquette, uh, so they made it really difficult to properly court people in those days. Like, 
there was no sense of just walking up to a person and introducing yourself and being like, hey, what's up? You know, like, I think you're cute. Um, which I think that's exactly how they like, spoke. Also, is there, can we do that nowadays? People should do that nowadays. People should do that nowadays, but it's either perceived as creepy or you're too shy to do it. And there's a lot of different yeah. etiquette. Like, we were just talking about Tinder. That is That's true. like a whole thing. Are The etiquette is still just as complex. It's just like... We don't have to go to their house and have our fathers call on them anymore. We do have to, like, pick a very specific slew of photos. Oh, you know, that's so interesting because now that I think about it, it's like, I mean, it's the same cattle call, although now women are in on it, which Mm -hmm. is great. But We love that. (laughs) We stand women getting to choose who they marry, and so does Jane Austen. So does Jane Austen. Uh, Jane Austen. Austin also stands marrying for love, and that brings me to a fun fact about Jane Austen. Ooh, fun fact. So Jane Austen had only ever gone one marriage proposal in her, in her lifetime. She never married. She loved a different guy, but that is not the guy who proposed to her. So Jane Austen was in her like late 20s, and she got a proposal from a 21-year-old who was a friend of her brother's, and she accepted. And apparently he was super awkward, but she was like six years older than him, and she was like a spinster at that age and she didn't want to be dependent on her family but then like the next day she did the unconventional thing and she broke off the engagement and decided to say goodbye to the idea of marriage and then she never married nice yeah i know you know i'm just picturing that sweet little 21 year old boy that went up to jane austen and was like um uh, uh, i i read your book <laughs> listen, listen listen first of all first of all we all had like the awkward 21 year old boy walk up to you at the party when you're sober and they're not and they're just like you know you know like trying to find a way to say to you like (laughs) that they're in love with you and you're just sitting there absorbing the confession and pretending it's not happening yeah or you say you'll marry them and then break their heart the next day (laughs) that's another move yeah (laughs) but it's it's like back in the day it was really oh we let we have to keep it as proper as possible. Mm-hmm. I must show myself to be amicable and kind and polite and I must do all these things to impress her parents and all this. Whereas like nowadays it's like, oh, I have to show I don't care. Like they're only going to like me if I can be as casual as I can. I wish that I would get <laughs> brownie points with people that I like by showing how much I care. You know, because uh, I care so much. My love language <laughs> is walking up to people and just being like, hey, um, I, feel, I don't feel like hiding this anymore. <laughs> no, that's not true. I'm actually deeply dead inside of my love language is sitting alone with a pint of ice cream. <laughs> that sounds good. We should have got ice cream for this. We did. We got bagels instead. We did, but we... Next time. Next time. Ice cream and wine. Yeah, we, we've That's done... Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. I, I had a bottle of rosé that I, I drank all of it, so... Oh, rest in peace. <laughs> that was like you reached for it. You were like, oh, I, I had a ready. bottle of rosé, and then I was like, oh, and then it was... Aired. For the listeners who don't know, we're actually recording this nicely in the middle of the day. Yeah. Where were we? We were talking about... Uh, the fact that these guys have the they like you have to go send the father first mm-hmm. to introduce oh, himself yes, to the rich guy, um, then the rich guy can start hitting on the daughters. It's mm-hmm. like a they they have to wait. It's a whole like steps system to get to the point where you even see if the girl is hot enough that you want to court her. Yeah. So uh, Mr. Bennett says that he will do that, 
And he'll tell him, this man, that he could have whichever daughter he pleases, but Mr. Bennett's going to put in a, a good word for his little Lizzie, which I wrote, the name Elizabeth Bennett rings a bell. Uh, <laughs> Who do so we see as Elizabeth Bennett? This is, for me, Elizabeth Bennett is uh, Kira Knightley. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if that's a fact. Um, I, I know that I have seen a movie of Pride and Prejudice, but in my mind, it was a movie that starred Kira Knightley and Colin Firth. And I know now that that's not a movie that has ever been made. So then I thought, oh, did, but am I mixing up Elizabeth Bennett and Elizabeth Swan? who is also played by Kira Knightley, that's where I'm at in my Pride and Prejudice knowledge. So there are two famous adaptations of Pride and Prejudice. Kira Knightley is in one. Colin Firth is in the other. The Colin Firth one involves a lake scene. Yeah, and I, I don't recall that. Oh, okay. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I saw the one with Kira Knightley. Oh, because I know I saw the one with Kira Knightley because... I remember so vividly, I will never forget this, sitting there with my parents watching this movie, and my mom pauses the movie and turns to me and goes, Dad loves Kira Knightley. And she just looks so bitter about it. <laughs> well, Kira Knightley, I mean, no hate to Kira Knightley. She's beautiful and she's a great actress, but she does this thing with her chin that drives me crazy where she'll like act with her chin. And when you're doing Jane Austen. Oh, I love her chin. I. Yeah, she's like cutting glass with that thing. I but love I, it. I love the fact that Colin Firth is so Mr. Darcy, so iconic in that role that you literally, you literally just imagine that you saw him in that role, even though you didn't. Yeah, you would remember the lake scene. Yeah, we'll watch the movie eventually, but the lake scene is so memorable that you will definitely have. You would definitely know what I'm talking about. Amazing. I also want to clarify for all of our. 17 listeners, or however many we have at this point, um, that I don't remember what happens in this movie. I just remember Kira Knightley and Colin Firth. That's all I know. <laughs> uh, so then the mom is like, don't treat Lizzie like something special. She's nothing special. Then she says, I'm sure she is not half so handsome as Jane, nor half so good humored as Lydia. I was like, why are you being so mean to your daughters? And Mr. Bennett says the other girls are all silly and ignorant and Lizzie's the only smart one. And I'm like, why are you being so mean to your daughters? Then Mrs. Bennett is like, why are you being so mean to your daughters? And I was like, Mrs. Bennett, you were just that mean to your daughters. So I'm confused by their family dynamic. I think it's the fact that they both like truly, they love their daughters, but they truly have their favorites. And you can tell and as we go forward in the books, you'll get to know these girls better, and mm-hmm. you'll kind of see why Mr. Bennett likes some. I can and- kind of already see why Mr. Bennett would like Lizzie the most, just based on what he's saying. Mrs. Bennett? I have no idea who is her favorite. She's crazy. I'm sorry well, <laughs> to use that word in a derogatory way, but she is buck wild. So <laughs> Mrs. Bennett has these moments that just like remind me... Sometimes of my mother who who will just like murder me because she's a huge Austin fan. She'll totally listen to this podcast and she'll be so insulted. But I just have this memory of being in college and like my my mother was moving me into my dorm and there was a guy moving into the door next door and we were talking as you do like when you first move into college and I was like walking away from him and my mom goes, Becca, that boy 
He thought you were beautiful. <laughs> that so, is a very big Mrs. Bennett move. That is a big Mrs. Bennett move. Also, we'll get into this uh, later, but there was I recently told my mom that I broke up with someone, and she was like, she didn't know I was dating him. She just goes, I'll fucking kill him. Oh my like, God. She was like, she was in a restaurant. She was like, no, no, I'll do it. Who do I need to murder? And I was like, mom, this is why I didn't tell you about this. Aww. You need to keep calm. I can deal with this. Keep calm and Jane Austen on. Oh, uh, keep calm. There are definitely t-shirts that say that, right? That is absolutely true. That I don't know. I don't know exactly what it says, but I'm pretty sure it's keep calm and, uh, keep calm and Austen on. Oh, I like that. Anyway, <laughs> Jane Austen. So, okay. I have a comment here that I would like to bring up because Mr. Bennett and Mrs. Bennett have been referring to each other as Mr. and Mrs. Bennett. Um, and now is the time in the podcast where I bring up the kinky nature of their relationship. Oh. For me, them saying Mr. Bennett and Mrs. Bennett in a casual conversation where no one else is present is very much like saying, oh, daddy, oh, mommy. What do you do in your private life? Oh, Mr. Bennett. Oh, it's like a role play. Yeah. The thing about Austin is that all of her characters are so weirdly formal. <laughs> and so it does feel a little bit like they're they're playing at formality in a way that's kind of sexy. Yeah, um, but maybe that's just how it was. It, what are their first names? I want to know. You know, I don't honestly. Do we? Do we never find out what their first names are? I don't know. No spoilers. I, I mean, I don't, but I, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe if someone's listening and knows the answer to that, they can let me know, but I'm pretty Send sure. Send it to our email. Yes. Podandprejudice at gmail.com. Anyway, they continue to argue about this, and Mrs. Bennett's like, you have no compassion for my nerves. And he says, oh, yes, I do. They're old friends of mine, um, which gives us a hint as to how neurotic she is. And then he says... I'm sure you'll live to see 20 rich single men come through this town. It'll be fine. And she says, well, she says, even if 20 come through, it's no use to us since you won't go visit them. Um, And then, wait, didn't he just agree to? Oh, no, no, no. He agreed to write? I mean, he's just like, he's just chilling. He's like, basically like, oh, he, he just keeps making fun of her. He's not really answering the question. The thing is, <clears throat> the thing about Mr. Bennett is, like, you know from the next chapter that he does go visit Bailey. Right. So he's really just, like, having a grand time, like, fucking with his wife's nerves. It's so <laughs> frustrating. Um, and then we learn about that a little bit in this last paragraph uh, where our girl Jane Austen just goes on for this whole paragraph about how complex Mr. Bennett is and how witty and all of these things and how simple Mrs. Bennett is and how much her life just depends on her finding a husband for her daughters. To be fair, this is like really an important thing for Mrs. Bennett because in this time period, women had no other income. I mean, we see this later in the books, but these girls really do need to marry for, for money and Jane Austen knew this well. She didn't, she didn't marry in her life. Um, she was tempted to for financial stability, but she, she, never, uh, she never thought there was any man worthy sort of, of her love except this one guy who didn't marry her. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she, she was really a rarity in her time period in that, right? She wrote these novels that uh, made her, you know, some money, and she was able to sort of make something of herself on her own. But these women she writes about need need husbands for income. Mm-hmm. 
and that's something that's hard to uh, emphasize the importance of nowadays that we we can you know have credit cards and the employment and such. But back then it was a big deal. So when she says Miss Bennett only wants to marry off her daughters, uh, I think that's a little unfair because of course she wants to marry off her daughters. She has to want to marry off she, her daughters. She wants to be able to make sure they're fed. Yeah. Then we move into chapter two. Where, where Mr. Bennett is still having a lot of fun fucking with his wife. Yeah. Right off the bat, he cracked and he was one of the earliest who went to go visit Mr. Bingley, which I guess... I forgot to mention that that is his name, Mr. Bingley. <laughs> In the first chapter when we yeah. learned, Mr. Bingley, it's a stupid name. <laughs> That's all. Um, no other comments on Mr. Bingley? No, no thoughts yet. about him yet? Oh, not yet, but believe me, we will. Aww. I adore him. Um, <laughs> so, Mr. Bennett cracked, he goes to talk to Bingley. This entire chapter is the story leading up to how he told his family that he went to go talk to Mr. Bingley, and he's just teasing them the entire time. Um, He mentions to Lizzie, oh, I hope Mr. Bingley will like your hat, and Mrs. Bennett, like, from the other side of the room, just, like, zoops over and is like, it doesn't matter if he would like your hat, what are you talking about? Like, we're never going to meet him. She is so dramatic in this chapter. You know when you're cranky and you just, you have no ability to like think about that positive of anything. She's there. She's just like, no, everything's going wrong because you haven't seen Mr. Bingley yet. Someone needs to get Mrs. Bennett a glass of rosé. Someone needs to get Mrs. Bennett a glass of rosé and Mr. Bennett needs to do some nice R&R on his wife. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at you, Mr. Bennett. (laughs) Daddy. Um, there's a whole thing about Mrs. Long said she'd introduce them. Mrs. Long is out of town. She can't introduce us. Mr. Bennett is like, well, I guess you'll have to introduce him to Mrs. Long. And they're like, that's not possible. We can't. Um, Mrs. Bennett then goes on to say that she hates Mrs. Long. Like, this is your best friend, I'm pretty sure. Like, shut up. And Mr. Bennett is like, oh, I'm glad to find, I'm glad to find that you do not depend on her serving you. Um, which is funny because she totally does depend on her for all of her hot gossip. Mrs. Bennett deigns not to make any reply to that, but is unable to contain herself and then turns to Kitty, who is another daughter, and yells at her to stop coughing. And... I just wanted to know if Kitty is sick, because they literally go on about her coughing for a very long time. You don't have to answer that, but I'm going to keep an eye on our girl. So it, it is connected, I think, to etiquette a little bit. I think it's kind of like being like, Kitty, stop farting, or Kitty, stop chewing your nails, or something is, like is that. Is coughing the way that we think of it, like, <laughs> like, is she just in the corner, like, <laughs> The way I picture it is sort of like a, <clears throat> <laughs> like, just like clearing her throat loudly, but... I don't know. It's it's really that she's. It's just so improper that she would deign to have a bodily function at the table. Yeah, he says Kitty has no discretion for her coughs. She times them ill. Oh, poor Kitty. Oh my word. Um, Kitty is just kind of shook by that, and and asks Jane when the next, or asks, I'm sorry, asks Lizzie when the next ball is. It is two weeks from tomorrow. Um, then we go into this whole thing about Mrs. Long. Um. And Mrs. Bennett says that she won't, Mrs. Long won't be back until a day before the ball. And Mr. Bennett says, you'll have to introduce 
him to her, and she says, nonsense, nonsense, and Mr. Bennett is like, our manners nonsense? Mary, what do you think? Enter Mary. (laughs) Mary is a big old nerd, because he asked her because she reads great books and writes notes in them and all of this stuff, and Mary just has no idea what to say. She's she's kind of uh, socially inept. She is. Mary's an interesting character because you get, it's really hard to get a sense of, like, of her at this point in the books. You, you think she's, like, this bookish, nerdy one, but it's so clear that Lizzie is cleverer than her. Mm-hmm. And so she just kind of sucks. It's like, poor Mary. Yeah. But anyway, this is the best part of the book up to this point. While Mary is adjusting her ideas, he continued, let us return to Mr. Bingley. I am sick of Mr. Bingley, cried his wife, and I wrote, same. (laughs) That's a mood. (laughs) Yep. Oh, here is where, when Mr. Bingley, I'm sorry, I'm going to do that a lot. Mr. Bingley, Mr. Bennett. They're very similar names, which, you know, is, uh, is interesting for Jane Austen's creativity. It's just like... She stuck with the B's a lot yeah. in this book, the very beginning so of the I can't alphabet. Even, like, uh, put in my notes Mr. B. No. Because I, I'm going to call Mr. Bingley Charles. Charles. Uh, um, anyway, but Mr. Bennett, when he says while Mary's adjusting her ideas, um, I don't, I think I'm going to make a note for our editor to insert from prior thing when I talk about how, um, Mr. Bennett is hot, and then we had that whole conversation about how he's a daddy. In this moment, I imagine that Mr. Bennett is, like, very hot. (laughs) I pictured him, like, the substitute teacher that you had in fourth grade who doesn't really ever scold you, but is just, like, very subtly, skillfully powerful, and everyone just kind of respects him. Oh, God. I'm thinking very specifically of a substitute teacher that I had in fourth grade who was like that, who... Uh, looked like Zachary Quinto. Oh, the, that's not a bad look for a substitute teacher. Yeah, so Zachary Quinto is playing Mr. Bennett in my brain. <laughs> You're gonna be so disappointed by the BBC oh, masterpiece. No, <laughs> it's more like beardless Dumbledore oh, and shit. God, ew, <laughs> like a naked mole rat. Stop! No, no, <laughs> no. It just looks like Santa without a beard. No. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to keep picturing Zachary Quinto, if that's okay. Yeah, you can keep picturing your, like, daddy, Bennett, if you want. <laughs> I will. Um, so, also right now, I feel like this chapter, I was trying to, like, shorten my sentences, and I'm kind of all over the place. Because <laughs> um, I was like, oh, this is this, but then, oh, I'm in the wrong spot. Anyway, <laughs> um, then she says, I'm sick of Mr. Bingley, and he says, well, I'm sorry to hear that. I already went to go see him. Record scratch. Everyone looks right at Mr. Bennett and it's like, what? what? There's like a brief moment of silence where they all just like blink their eyes and you hear that little blink, blink, blink sound. And then um, they just become so in love with Mr. Bennett. They're like, oh my God, you're the best father in the whole wide world. Mostly Mrs. Ben- Bennett is like, saying how he's the he's the best and it was so funny and she's like kind of like single tear and she's like crying but you don't know that she's just oh. she's hilarious and Mr. Bennett says now kitty you may cough as much as you choose and he leaves and they're all hugging and Mrs. Bennett is like 
girls, girls, this is amazing. Oh, Lydia, I bet he's going to dance with you, even though you're the youngest and um, all this stuff. And Lydia, my favorite character, <laughs> says, oh, I'm not afraid, for though I am the youngest, I'm the tallest. And I was like, okay, Lydia. She knows what she's got to offer the she world. She knows what she's got to offer. And then they're just excited about Mr. Bennett's visit, how soon it would be, and whether they should ask him for dinner. Or when they should ask him for dinner. This is a very big deal. Very big deal. Um, well, this yeah. is where things really start to pick up a little bit. Because these first two chapters are such framing chapters. Yeah, it's like, what? who do we know? What do we yeah. know about them, etc. It's a little bit of a... Uh, an introduction to this society where people really are gossiping in this small town about the people who are coming in, the people mm-hmm. who are coming out. It's all about who the most interesting people are and trying to score some social status off them. And we're hearing so much from people that are not the main characters. Right. We've barely met Lizzie. Right. And I think you know that Lizzie is the main character. Kate uh, Winslet. No. <laughs> Is Kira Knightley? That would be actually really great if Kate Winslet had played Lizzie. She, she's she's such a good Marianne. We'll get there, but for a different time, I don't for a different even know who that is exactly. Yeah. Um. So then we get into chapter three, and the girls won't stop bothering Mr. Bennett about what Mr. Bingley looks like, and he won't tell them anything. And I suspect that he's a little jealous of the attention. Um. So, Lady Lucas, their neighbor, has a highly favorable report of Mr. Bingley. Uh, She says he's young, handsome, kind, and will, in fact, be at the next ball. And Mrs. Bennet is so happy. She believes to be fond of dancing is a certain step towards falling in love, so she thinks that he's, like, a very uh, A-plus candidate for her girls. Um... Then Mrs. Bennet says all she wants is to marry off her daughters to rich people. Mr. Bingley returns Mr. Bennett's visit, so he comes to their house, and the girls spy on him. And something I noticed is that he asked to see them. Like, he seems to kind of want to circumvent this uh, etiquette. He was like, can I see the girls? And they're like, no, no, no. They're gonna, we're gonna hang out in here. It's also a matter of like, oh, let me see them. And they're not in their, like, nice ball attire yeah. yet. They're, like, in their day clothes. Right. And it's, like, one of those things where it's like... You you don't lead on Tinder with that photo you took of yourself when you're in your bed and you're like trying to see how many chins you have, like, <laughs> or you do. Well, that's how you find true love. Yeah, um, but so this the is now girls, a dating advice podcast, right? Uh, dating with Austin. Um, so the girls spy on him from like a window. They invite him to dinner, but then after they planned the whole thing, he says he. He has to cancel because he's going out of town the next day. And Mrs. Bennett is very worried that this means that he won't be a good match for their girls because he will be away on business all the time. That's such a weird fear. It's such a weird fear. And, like, also, I thought it was, like, oh, he's he doesn't want to come to dinner because he doesn't like them anymore or whatever. And that's not where her mind jumps at all. Um, oh, no, 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 no. It's kind of like being, like... Getting ghosted and being like, oh, God, he died. Right. <laughs> right. How will he take care of our children together in the future? <laughs> um. Hello. It's Molly from the future hopping in to tell you about a new season of one of my absolute favorite podcasts. 
Hot and Bothered, hosted by returning Pod and Prejudice guest Vanessa Zoltan, is a podcast that treats romance as sacred. You've probably all already heard of this podcast because in their fourth season, they covered Pride and Prejudice. And now Hot and Bothered is back with a season that is all about romantic films. The first 10 episodes of this new season follow Vanessa as she learns how to critically watch movies by looking closely at the classic 2003 rom-com How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. After 10 episodes, Vanessa will be joined by her co-host Hannah McGregor, a media studies scholar, author, and podcaster. And together, they'll look at romantic films from Casablanca to Love and Basketball to When Harry Met Sally. The show is already so fun after just listening to one episode, and I cannot wait to listen to the rest of the season. So subscribe to Hot and Bothered wherever you get your podcasts to jump into this new season that's all about romantic films, or to enjoy their previous seasons about Pride and Prejudice, Jane Eyre, and a personal favorite, Twilight. Again, that's Hot and Bothered, and it can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Also, this August, Vanessa is leading a pilgrimage to Bath for a five-day trip dedicated to Northanger Abbey. Now, I don't know anything about Northanger Abbey, but even I want to go on this trip. Together, you and 20 other Austinites are delving into the story of Catherine Moreland while immersed in a gorgeous city that features heavily in Austin's life and writing, as you know. So if you enjoy contemplative hikes, immersion in a new city, time away from your regular life, and the chance to talk about Austin with fans from all over the world, which I know all of you do, then this trip is for you. So check out Common Ground Pilgrimages at readingandwalkingwith.com. To claim your spot on the Northanger Abbey trip, head to readingandwalkingwith.com slash northanger-abbey-2024. And now back to this episode. Then Lady Lucas says he's only going out of town to collect his party for the ball. And then the girls are worried that he's going to collect a lot of girls to bring to the ball. Yeah. But then, through the rumor mill, they hear that it's actually just going to be his five sisters and a cousin. Then, cut to the ball, it's actually just two sisters, one of their husbands, and another man. And who might this other man be? Mr. Darcy. I have such distaste in my voice, but my notes do say, oh boy, Colin Firth. From the movie you saw. From the movie that I definitely saw. Um, So we're at the ball, and everyone loves Mr. Bingley. He's the best. Then we, we hear about his friend, Mr. Darcy, Colin Firth. And what do they say about Mr. Darcy? At first, they think Mr. Darcy is the best. He carries himself with composure. He's very handsome. He's very wealthy. Oh, wait. He's a dick. (laughs) Contextualizing it with chapter two and one, you just have all these women being like, we don't care about anything other than that. He's hot, rich, and single. Darcy is hot, rich, and single. How shitty does he have to be to be still like, everyone's like, oh, God, no, not that one. (laughs) He has to be the worst. And he is the worst. And they... Don't mind telling us about it. Uh, Jane Austen says, Not all his large estate in Derbyshire could then save him from having a most forbidding, disagreeable countenance and being unworthy to be compared with his friend, Mr. Bingley. Um, Mr. Bingley dances with everyone. Jane, twice, as we learn. Mm-hmm. Um, Darcy only dances with Mrs. Hurst, which is Mr. Bingley's married sister, um, and, and no one else. Everybody hoped that he would never come there again. (laughs) I feel that way about some people. Mrs. Bennet hates Darcy the most out of everyone because he slighted her daughter, Lizzie. Like my mother, 
saying she was going to fucking murder my ex. Yep, <laughs> that's where we're at. We're at that level of Mrs. Bennett because Lizzie was sitting out for a dance because there weren't enough men at the party to dance with. And so she was like, oh, let me set this one out. Mr. Darcy is standing nearby being kind of angsty, just like angrily watching everyone. And Bingley comes over and is like, hey, you should dance, you should dance. And he's like, no, I don't dance with people that I'm not close with, you know this. Uh, you're dancing with the only pretty girl at this party, and that's Jane. And then Bingley... Really quick side note on this. This is where we learn Jane is really hot. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, she walked into the party and everyone... Turned their eyes on her. Yeah. It was like, it's like that moment in the Cinderella story with uh, Hilary Duff when she walks into the dance and she's wearing the gown and the mask and nobody cares that she's the nerd girl anymore. I mean, like, let's take a moment for the fact that no one could ever, uh, ever think Hilary Duff was like the ugly, uncool girl at school. Right? That was always a very unbelievable. That was was a stretch. Also, really quick side note, do you know who was supposed to star in that movie with Hilary Duff? Who? Rupert Grint. She is what? gaping. How old was he? He was like 17 or 18. Well, why did, why did he not? Because it conflicted with filming Order of the Phoenix or something. I'm so sorry. You're so upset. I would have felt like I... I would have felt so validated by that because I always thought that Rupert Grint was so hot. Uh, dude, this is a Ron Weasley podcast. We we stand crushing on Ron Weasley here. I really <laughs> have a biggest crush on him, and I'm just I feel like if the rest of the world had seen him as Chad Michael Murray, which like nobody would have, it wouldn't have been as Chad Michael Murray. But if he had been that role, other people would have thought he was hot too. Yeah, it's a, one of the greatest lies of the Harry Potter universe that Ron Weasley is not everyone's stupid boyfriend. I I love him. I anyway, love him so much. Okay, I'm sorry. Side note: <laughs> that's a different book series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Mrs. Where were we? He. We're talking about how Mrs. Bennett was just like pissed, pissed. at oh, okay. Darcy because because Bingley says, "Well, Jane." has a sister and she's sitting right behind you and she's pretty and Darcy turns around and looks at her and says that she is tolerable but not handsome enough to tempt him like to brutal. her face so what that is brutal yeah I was upset uh Lizzie's annoyed by this but we don't really get a sense of how it's affected her uh it just says that she hadn't no cordial feelings towards him. Is a way to put it. Oh, yes. Um, for sure. For sure. I, I also think this scene is interesting because Lizzie tolerates it so well, but it, you see it, such a seed planted from this moment, the bad taste in her mouth mm-hmm. for Darcy. And in my mouth. And in everyone's mouth. I really don't like him. And you just see, like, she acts like this is, like, an NBD moment, but you, I think you see, like, just a hint of how it's not for her. Yeah. And how it really affects her and her perception of this guy. Right. So they return to Longbourn, where they live, and Mrs. Bennett wants to tell Mr. Bennett all about the night, and she's like, you have to listen, you have to hear what everything that happened, like, listen about their dresses, listen about their things, and he's like please don't tell me about their clothes. And she's like, okay, well, here's who danced with who. And she tells him about how he danced with uh, Jane twice and how he danced with this girl, not so much, and blah, 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 blah. And Mr. Bennett is like, if he had any compassion for me, he would not have danced half so much. For God's sake, say no more of his partners. Oh, that he had sprained his ankle in the first dance. (laughs) 
so grumpy. He's so angsty, and yet he waited up to hear about this. Yeah, he's secretly such a gossip. Yeah. And he, like, does, he doesn't even need to, like, ask for it ever because Mrs. Bennett will always tell him and he can always act curmudgeonly about it. Mm-hmm. But he's, like, leaning in and he's like, oh, yeah, I hate this. <laughs> tell me everything. Um, then he doesn't want to hear about that either, so she starts telling him about how much Mr. Darcy sucks. And that, I think we could all hear more about. Um, you're, you, if you like hearing about how much Mr. Darcy sucks, you are going to love a good chunk of this book. Yep. Uh, I can assure you that Lizzie does not lose much by not suiting his fancy, for he is a most disagreeable, horrid man, not at all worth pleasing. She goes on for a while. She quite detests the man, is how that chapter ends. Then we get to chapter four. Now, I like this chapter. It's a little quieter as a chapter, but I think you get to, you get a little sense of who Lizzie is and yeah. who the most important person in the world to Lizzie is. Yeah. And that's why I've dubbed this chapter Lizzie and Jane's Corner. Aww. Um, they are the eldest two of the five sisters. There you go. That's Great. correct. Um, and... Jane, they're gossiping about the night that they've just had. Mm-hmm. Jane is swooning over Mr. Darcy. Oh my god. <laughs> Jane is not swooning over Mr. Darcy. Jane is swooning over Mr. Bingley. Charles. Let's call him Charles. Charlie. Charlie. Oh. Charlie and Jane. Charlie Bing and Jane. Oh my god, I love that. Oh my god. Um, Charlie Bing, like Chandler Bing. It's funny because he, um, in, there's a YouTube series that was done a couple years ago. It's a modern adaptation mm-hmm. of Pride and Prejudice. We'll get to it. You'll definitely have to watch it. Oh, I, yeah. I love it. Um, but uh, they have an Asian American actor playing Charles Bingley, and they just call him Bingley. <laughs> oh, I love that. Jane is swooning over Charlie. And Lizzie is... Feministing it up. Feministing it up, saying... You know, compliments always take you... Oh, because Jane is surprised that he danced with her twice. Aww. Which is cute. And Lizzie is just like, you know, compliments always take you by surprise. Me, never. Like, she knows she deserves to be showered in affection. And I, I also think she's saying that compliments to Jane never take her by surprise as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're right. Uh, because Jane is so freaking perfect and lovely. Yeah. And she's like... you. You do realize, like, obviously like, everyone loves you. Yeah, she says, there's no reason he wouldn't have danced with you twice. You were five times prettier than everyone in that room, and everyone in the room knew. And she means this, like, totally genuinely, which is very sweet. Um, she also uh, gives Jane her permission to like Charlie, because... <laughs> She says you have you have liked many a stupider person. That is so relatable. So relatable. Also the highest compliment that Lizzie could give, I think, to uh, Bingley. Oh, absolutely. I think like we've all been in a situation where a friend always likes like the shittiest human beings. Yep. <laughs> and then they like one guy and you're like, okay, this one passes. Lizzie says you always see the best in people, which is a great quality, but you never see the faults in people. Which I think is is gonna be important to note. Uh, and I think that that means that Lizzie might be a little bit more discerning than Jane. Lizzie is, I think, both dis- more discerning than Jane, but also I think I think that it's... I don't want to spoil anything, but I think it's a balancing act in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think they have things to learn from each other, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. 
they go on to talk about Bingley's <laughs> sisters. There are two of them, and Jane thinks they're great, and Lizzie is not so sure. She thinks they're proud and conceited and too rich, spend too much, and very entitled. All of the things that we might expect from a family of such wealth, which they are. Yeah, and it's surprising that you get Bingley, who's so sweet. So just the best. Modest. I have a big old crush on Charlie Bingley. Oh my god, everyone should have a crush on Charlie Bingley. At the end of the day, so... I don't, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that there are a lot of women out there who love themselves a Mr. Darcy, but ladies, you can also love yourself a Bingley. Love yourself a Bingley. Please do yourself and me a favor because I hate Darcy so much. We all stand a gentle beta male. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking fuck Mr. Darcy. I don't know. I'm so angry that he is the main character of this book. This is making me so happy right now. Um, so anyway, they... Talk about money for a while, about how Bingley came into some money and everyone expected him to buy a house right away, but he just wants, like, he kind of just wants to hunt, so he's leasing Netherfield. I had a question. Is Bingley 19 years old? Because it said that he had barely been of age a year when he let Netherfield, so I thought if he's... Like, been, you know, if he was 17. So, this was confusing, so I actually Googled it for oh, you. Great. Um, and I looked up everyone's ages. Oh. Um, I looked up the five Bennett sister ages, which I am going to hide. Hide from me fun. because it's kind of fun. Yeah. But I can tell you that Bingley, I believe, is around 21, 22. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Great. So, um, like, he, he can legally drink now. Then we talk about his friendship with Darcy, and we kind of, um, Jane Austen narration wise, kind of shifts from talking about them to kind of being a third-person omniscient thing because she goes into, like, how they feel about each other. Um, and Bingley really respects Darcy, um, and apparently Darcy is is great when he's around his friends, which is surprising, and I don't believe, but that's... Well, we are I'm... getting a look at him with his friends right now. We are getting a look at him with his friends. I guess opposites attract. They have, like, a nice rapport going on. Um, they do. You've got the sunshine and the darkness. The sunshine and the darkness. And they, they get into their gossip session about the ball. Uh, Bingley, Bingley had a great time. He thought everyone was lovely. He's in love with Jane. Uh, which is... We stand. The best. We ship. I love. Darcy thought everyone was ugly and boring he didn't have any fun because he didn't let himself have any fun. <laughs> and he thought Jane was pretty, but she smiled too much. You just wrote, good lord. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry. Since when is smiling too much a bad... Like, what? It's it's one of those things that makes me laugh because the the old misogynist trope is, hey, baby, you should smile more. And here we have the exact opposite, which is I don't like people and anyone who smiles too much is just gonna piss me off it's like when you're in a really bad mood and someone comes up to you and it's like hey how are you and you're like please leave me alone and darcy's just always in a bad mood all the time always um i hate him (laughs) so bingley's sisters also liked jane and i think that bingley kind of went to them and was like so what did you think no my girl. And they were like, she's a sweet girl. And he was like, okay, great. Uh, I relate to Bingley on this. I need 12 people's opinions on a person before I can date them. I need all of my friends to approve. 
or else I can't do I, I know it's not uh-huh. healthy but <laughs> Bingley also just needs everyone to like his girlfriend that is absolutely true Bingley is so like that and you are a little like that too <laughs> I, oh I'm 100% like that All and right. that's the end of chapter four great so I actually prepared some study questions for these first four chapters for Excellent. us to talk about so we have the first line It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. I'm sure at this point in time you've realized that this line is iconic. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about it and uh, keep it in our brains as we go through this book. So give me any and all thoughts you have on this line. Well, I first want to bring up the fact that at the time when I was first reading this book, I was scrolling through Twitter and one of my favorite podcasters had just tweeted, it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man wearing AirPods and loudly playing Drake from his phone speaker must be in want of a wife. (laughs) And I screamed on the bus I was on and I texted Becca immediately, I got the reference! You got the reference! (laughs) My first thoughts on this line are that I think it must be talking about the dichotomy between Darcy and Bingley. Um, because they're both single men with a good fortune. One of them is seeking a wife. And one of them is, like, actively pushing everyone away from is him. Is Mr. Darcy. Is Mr. fucking Darcy. And um, so I think that it's kind of going to... It's, it's going to play into um, what everyone's mindset on this is. Specifically, I'm thinking Mrs. Bennet. Um, like... It starts out with her being like, a man has moved to our town, and he's rich. He's going to want to marry one of my daughters. I also think it's a little uh, snub from Jane Austen at her society being like, oh yeah, obviously all single people must be in want of another human being because people can't live without, you know, the ability to fucking procreate with each other and I think it's actually pretty funny because it's still resonant today this book is very very old Mm -hmm. and I think it's wild that we still have these issues of people being like oh you're single are you okay like yeah I'm okay I'm fine I have a law career I have great friends I'm working on my life I'm working on myself and society keeps telling me that because I'm like 25, that if I'm not in a relationship, what am I going to do about children? And yeah, and also just like, I mean, I, this is the first time in my life where I haven't actually wanted to be in a relationship, and my best friend has started dating someone, and I've been sad about it because I don't get to spend as much time with her, and my mom, her, and her mom have all told me, maybe you should start seeing someone. It'll make you feel, you know, less lonely, less, like, you're you're feeling left out because all of your friends now have boyfriends. Um, like, maybe you should find a significant other and... That's blah, not blah. a solution. It's not, and I've, and I've tried, I've gone through phases with it. I'm like, okay, I'll go on Tinder, and I go on some dates, and I'm like, I guess I'm dating this girl now, and then, like, four dates in, I'm like, I actually don't want to be dating you, and I'm only doing this because... Someone told me to. Someone told me to. And, I, and yeah, I, I'm just glad that we partially live in a time where if I 
at least amongst some of my friends, I can be like, I don't actually want to be dating anyone right now. I think I think we're getting better. Yeah. Uh, and I think also, again, this goes to the fact that we don't need to date people. Yeah. Like, first of all, I mean, I, I come from the more heteronormative relationships, but I, I am going to be making money. No man is going to have to support me. I am not bound to finding a husband when it comes to economic viability. Mm-hmm. And that is something that Lizzie Bennett lacks, but probably would not lack if she were in this time period. Uh, it's, it is an interesting thing that Jane Austen is able to write these words with such bite and have them still matter yeah. years later. Yeah. All right, moving on. The next question I had for you was to sort of talk about these Bennett sisters. We have five of them, as you now know. Mm -hmm. And I think each one we've gotten to know just a little bit in these first few chapters. And I wondered if you had thoughts on on the five. Yeah. Um, Mary is a nerd, as I've said. Um, And I have more thoughts on Mary going forward. But I think that she's the socially awkward one. And I think she's the second, the third oldest. Third, she's the middle child. Mary's yep. the middle child. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Mary's the middle child and she is the biggest middle child I've ever seen. As a middle child, I feel extremely attacked by this, but yeah. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but okay. like, I'm just going based on stereotypes I know about middle children. Oh, for sure. We, we're a mess as, yeah. as, as, a, as a unit. Uh, we, we're, we didn't get as much love and attention as everybody else. Like, my parents absolutely love all of their children equally, but I got away with so much crap because my two sisters were so watched and mm-hmm. I was not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Lydia is the youngest. Yes. And the tallest. Yes. And I think Lydia m- might be gay, <laughs> but just because I want her to be gay. I am not going to spoil anything, but I love this take. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just because she's my favorite. She's very sassy, and I like that about her. Kitty, it might be sick. Probably isn't. And is the second youngest. Jane and Lizzie are the best. Um, Lizzie, I wrote, uh, badass smart, as if she would go to the women's march. Which she absolutely would. She absolutely would. And Jane is humble and beautiful, and she doesn't really know the power that she has over men. Yeah, and I think the fun thing about Jane is that she's that girl, like, she is so perfect and sweet and pretty, but that's, like, that's only part of who she is. She's mm-hmm. so good and compassionate and loyal with Lizzie. Yeah. And I think she's one of those girls you'd hate unless you, like, talk to her and you're like, well, now I can't hate you because yeah. you're too sweet. She's a genuinely good person. Oh. As Lizzie points out, she sees the best in people, which, like, sometimes can be to a fault, but that's an excellent quality to have in a friend. Speaking of Jane, let's talk a little bit about these first uh, interactions. Mm-hmm. We have the first interactions between Bingley and Jane, and the first interactions between Lizzie and Darcy. Little different. Yeah. <laughs> One might say so. Uh, Bingley and Jane are really cute. I'm obsessed with Charlie. Obsessed. I think that he is the ding-dong... The bing... The Bing... He's the best. Lee. <laughs> the Bingley bestest. Lizzie and Darcy's first interaction makes me want to punch a wall. I think that's how it made Lizzie feel, too. He has no reason to be that way, right? Oh, no, no. Like, he he uh, immediately 
just as being so judgmental of her and this town and just writing everything off and clearly is like stuck in his own little world of just like everything's miserable and pulls Lizzie into it a little. Yeah, it's not fair. Those are the two two um, pairs. I see that you made up some uh, some nicknames for them. Oh yeah, uh, Jingly, very pro Jingly, um, and I am not pro Dizzy. So we have Jingly and Dizzy. Hashtag pro Jingly. Hashtag anti Dizzy. Anti Dizzy. Also, how I feel on planes. I don't want to be yeah, dizzy. I woke up the other day with really bad vertigo, and I was just in bed all day, and it was the worst. So another reason that I don't like Darcy. <laughs> We're blaming him. We're blaming yep. Colin Firth for this specifically. To be clear, we do love Colin Firth. This is a very pro-Colin podcast. I'm sorry, Colin, if you want to come on. Come on the podcast. We'd be happy to have you. So would our, like, 3.5 listeners... Uh, <laughs> Please reach out to Colin if you have his phone number. Hashtag anti-Dizzy. Hashtag pro-Colin. So moving on, uh, I have friendship uh, evaluations. You touched on this. Mm -hmm. The sort of love between Lizzie and Jane is immediately palpable. And Mm -hmm. weirdly, so does the love between Bingley and Darcy. Yeah, which I don't get, really. But I think there is something to be said for... Opposites in friendships. Um, I think that they probably balance each other out. I can picture them going to the club, Bingley going up to everyone and being like, ah, let's have a great time, and Darcy being like, it's time to go home now. Ultimate extrovert and introvert, which is weirdly also true of Lizzie and Jane, but in the opposite, because mm-hmm. Jane is somewhat introverted. Yeah, totally. And Lizzie is ex- pretty extroverted. Yeah, I totally see that, which also then makes sense the way in which these pairings split up mm-hmm. um, because we have other yes. extrovert introvert parent. I mean, you can't have two introverts together or two extroverts together because they would overpower each other. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think that in terms of Lizzie and Jane's relationship, they are definitely going to help each other throughout this book. Um, Jane needs to have more confidence in herself. And I think that Lizzie really is always trying to boost her up. And I think Jane might, play into helping Lizzie open herself up to the possibility of letting someone in because I think that Lizzie might hide behind sarcasm and wit. Yes. I personally relate to this. I think Lizzie Bennet in some ways is one of the most relatable female characters written because she does do this thing where she like has learned to use her smarts as an armor. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. Interesting that Mr. Bennet says that Lizzie is the smart one out of his daughter's and, like, that's the part of her that he's chosen to boost up as a father. Um, mm-hmm. Might have played a, a role in her using that as a shield. Absolutely. All right, my last questions for you are uh, threefold. Yes. First, uh, give me what you think is the funniest quote from these four chapters. I'm torn between two. Okay. My first immediate thought is, I'm sick of Bingley. That is so funny. Because that is the most Mrs. Bennett moment. It's extremely dramatic. It's so dramatic. It's so contradictory to everything that she has put up until this point. Uh, I laughed out loud. Um, But I also really like when we just rail on Mr. Darcy. Um, When we first meet him. The one I kind mm -hmm. of quoted verbatim. Mm-hmm. But I I think that Mrs. Mrs. Bennett's description of him is even funnier. 
Go for um, it. I did read part of this out loud already, but here we go. But I can assure you that Lizzie does not lose much by not suiting his fancy, for he is a most disagreeable, horrid man, not at all worth pleasing, so high and so conceited that there was no enduring him. He walked here and he walked there, fancying himself so very great, not handsome enough to dance with. I wish you had been there, my dear, to have given him one of your set-downs. I quite detest the man." Excellent. Yes. I would also like to point out that you quoted Mrs. Bennett twice when asked about funniest quotes, so we can tell who is bringing some of the comedic energy to this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, second question is, what is one big question you have going forward in these chapters? Um, I'm really curious about what Mr. About Mr. Bingley and Mr. Darcy's relationship, and and what Mr. Bingley sees in him. Because I think that will give me some hints as to why people like him. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. And who wins the chapter? Well, my answer just changed because I realized I quoted Mrs. Bennett twice. Oh, okay. I think that she won these chapters. I'm here for that. Yeah. She is so entertaining in those first few chapters. And also, she, you know, she is just trying to get these girls married. She really is. So, Mrs. Bennett. Uh, first name unknown, congratulations. You are the winner of this episode. And, and that brings us to the end of our first episode of Pod and Prejudice. Pod and Prejudice. Now, uh, we are getting all of our social media set up right now, so if you want to follow us on Twitter, it would be at Pod and Prejudice, one word. On Instagram is also Pod and Prejudice. And you can email us at podandprejudice dot, um, at gmail.com. Uh, and... We're happy to hear your thoughts on anything, Austin. If we've fucked something up, please let me know. Mm-hmm. And no spoilers, please. Oh, God, yeah, no, I can... I'll be running the email, yeah. so Molly won't get spoilers, but if you post any spoilers on our Twitter or Instagram, we'll be very upset. We've already had to... I've already had to unfollow SparkNotes. Love you, SparkNotes Instagram. You're my favorite, but there are so many spoilers. There are so many spoilers, um, and it's just... It's in the zeitgeist so fully that it's kind of a miracle that... She doesn't know what's going to happen, so we want to keep that up. That's all we have for today. Until next time, stay proper and uh, find a husband. Bye. Bye.